0: Center and coming in as Lube fill it back centered at the four
1: McDonald. And over at that flame bench is all kinds of excitement going on there.
0: And he's stopped by Markstrom from Point Blank Range. you can put it in the wind call. Yeah, baby, yeah, yeah, baby! This is Flame Stock with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 the Fan. All right, this hour underway. It is Friday, February 17th. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at calgarylockandsafe.com. It's Steinberg coming at you. Live on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, or wherever you get your podcasts, go hit subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and more. Lots to get to this hour. Pike will join us a little bit later on, but right now it's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op. Wine Spirits Beer today. It's Friday, so we go inside hockey with Sportsnet's Eric Francis. It's time for Francis Fridays, and uh, we've got a little bit to talk about, pal. uh, There's there's one or two things to to kick
1: around, I hear. What a gong show today was down (laughs) at the Dome. That was an absolute gong show, and you know it's funny. You know, Wes Gilberts and I were just discussing about. You know, in a lot of ways, this is a bit of a blessing. You know, uh, this masks a lot of the issues. Well, what's the number one issue? The issues is they're not winning games, with the with the regularity they need, and it's all being masked by this. You know. Re- this crazy sideline story. It's a gong show. It was an absolute gong show. and But but proving how temperatures are so high today, like I got players snipping at me, left, right, and center. Everyone's losing their mind. Everyone claims that it's just noise and it doesn't bother them, but everyone's losing their mind. So nobody can tell me this is nothing and that this is you know not an issue. This is a big issue, a big story, and a massive distraction for a team that may actually embrace this. So and there's there's uh so many ways to go from yeah, what you just said there.
0: And because because of the one like I'm with you. Like I I think that We're talking, and and what we're talking about is the Alan Walsh tweet from Thursday night following the Red Wings' loss. The comments and and how the Flames addressed it and acknowledged it. And I do give the sides credit for coming out and not shying away from any of the questions and answering them all. And you make your own interpretations as to how they answered them. But Daryl Sutter addressed it, and Jonathan Huberdeau addressed it. Uh, Also, the whole idea about this team being too negative, not having fun, frustration, getting the better of them, all that type of stuff is is what we're referring to as we kick off this conversation. And and you know, on the on the one hand, I give everybody credit for doing their very best to diffuse the situation. And at the same time, I don't think that it's much ado about nothing. Like I I think that an agent coming out and tweeting that certainly blows it into a bigger story than maybe it actually is. But I also don't think it's a minuscule story that doesn't exist. And, and yeah, I think there's a little where there's smoke, there's fire. There was damage control going on at the Dome on Friday. And, and the way you put it, yeah, it's a gong show. There's, there's a lot swirling with this team right now. What, what, what jumped out to you most about what you heard from Jonathan Huberto or what you heard from Daryl Sutter? I've read your column already today um, on Friday. It's up at sportsnet.ca right now. What, what jumped out to you most?
1: Well, first of all, you know, Sutter pretending like he didn't know what I was talking about when I asked him about the tweet. That was pretty laughable. And then, of course, you know, Huberto pretending he didn't know about it last night. And I, I'm not suggesting that he got the heads up from his agent, but he probably got the heads up from his agent. Either way, to pretend that he woke up this morning and his phone had blown up. Come on, you're going to tell me you didn't see this last night, like the rest of the, like all your teammates did and anyway. So there was some games being played there, but then at the end of the day, everybody addressed it head-on and said, "You know what? Like it's not a distraction and all this, and Daryl said it's irrelevant, and that was a word thrown around a lot today. But, hey, you know what stands out to me on all this? Like it's not exactly breaking news that guys don't love playing for Daryl Sutter. Okay, let's just let's just call it what it is. But but Scotty Bowman wasn't loved by his players either, and he was he's the winningest coach of all time. Daryl Sutter's a damn good coach. Now, do I think that the way Daryl Sutter conducts himself and his business is is uh, is admirable at times? No, no, I don't. I don't like a lot of his ways. Uh, But I'll I'll always give him credit for being a damn good coach. You know, what this tweet said is this coach makes it no fun. And I don't disagree with that. I've yet to talk to a player who thought, man, it was fun. What a barrel of laughs it was (laughs) playing for Daryl Sutter, right? Nobody said that ever. But you talk to veterans like guys who played for him or even there's even some guys with the LA Kings I've talked to over the years about him they say, I hated playing for him, but he won me a cup or he won me two cups, you know? And, or he made and, me he made me better or what whatever right that's right that's right Daryl you know Jerome McGinley always said that he made me a better player and uh, he was tough to play for but he got the best out of a lot of guys and I don't think you can question his ability as a coach I think you can question the way he goes about his business sometimes but you know the funny thing is that really what he tweeted is not exactly a revelation it basically just points to the fact that his his uh client Jonathan Huberto is not having any fun that that's what this points to I mean let's we're all connecting the dots very quickly and it's very easy to do so now Jonathan Huberto he was actually pretty good saying Daryl's Daryl <laughs> which I think is a great response because it does say it all we all know what Daryl's all about so he says Daryl's Daryl do I agree with him 100% of the time no but you're not going to agree with any coach Hunter it was very diplomatic the way Huberto handled it but also very telling the way he kind of left the door open that yeah Things are not always rosy around here. I do think it's a pretty tight-knit group. I do think that there's immense frustration in that room. Yes. There has to be. Like, you're a fool if you think that a team that's underperforming to the degree they are, if you think everybody's just all roses. But again, there was Markstrom today. That's the first time in three or four weeks he's talked to the media. Yep. And none of us asked a question about his own personal struggles about his season. The obvious questions we would have asked yesterday or the day before or the day before that had he made himself available. But because today was overshadowed by this incredible cloud, this fantastic sideshow that, you know, it will be remembered for a while, nobody asked him or Huberto about how frustrating or brutal their seasons have been compared to what their standards generally are. So in a way... I think it can be a, you know, this could end up being a blessing. At the end of the day, is Daryl's job on the line? That was the question I got from Toronto from my editor and other people. Does this mean Daryl's job is on the line? Hell no, it doesn't. Is his job on the line? Hell yes. Any coach whose team is basically hanging by a thread right. for a playoff spot, given the expectations. Yes, of course he's his job is on the line. Now, do I think he'll be fired anytime soon? No, he just signed a two-year extension worth a whole lot of money. And it was done so by an owner who really loves the guy, so I, I don't think Daryl Sutter's going anywhere. But all this will come to a head at the end of the season. If they make the playoffs, this is you know there's still going to be lots to talk about. But if they make the playoffs, his job is a whole lot safer than if he misses the playoffs. I still don't think his job is totally in jeopardy. Right? Now. It's certainly. Let me just sum it up by saying this: his job is certainly not in jeopardy because of a tweet from an agent. Let's just leave it at that.
0: That's a uh, that's a very very fair way of putting it. It is Francis with us on Francis Fridays, and 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 when because I'm with you, I think that what we're talking about, yeah. The, when there's smoke, there's fire. I said this. I said this in hour one of of Friday's show. I think that there have been times when Daryl Sutter's approach. And Jonathan Huberto's approach have been like oil and water. I absolutely believe that. Uh, I think that there have been instances where the way that they go about their business, they they have not been on the same plane or the same page or seen eye to eye or whatever cliche you want to use. Uh-huh. I, I think absolutely that's been the case. Whether it was the he's got to take a bleep or he or or the way that the way that he's been mixed up on lines or just all of it, and 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 we're also talking about a, a player with a decade of experience, who just signed the biggest contract in franchise history, was just guaranteed 84000000 million pre-tax dollars from an NHL organization, coming off 115 points. He's gone about his business a certain way for the last decade, and, and I think there are some vast differences in the way Daryl Sutter goes about his business. I think what we're talking about, when there's smoke, there's fire, is that I think that there has been a large and at times difficult feeling out process between coach of this team and the guy they just paid to be their franchise player. And and I think that is what this is is speaking to. Do I think it's as big a deal as it's been made out to be? Maybe not, but it's made it's gotten that big because a high profile agent with sixty five thousand plus followers on Twitter went public with something, but do again, do I think it's a non issue No, I also don't think it's a non issue It's probably somewhere in between but that's that's kind of how I've read the situation all year long and and certainly continue to read the
1: situation yeah no doubt about it now here's here's a couple The reality is that Jonathan Huberdell is almost I don't want to say guaranteed because at the end of the day if you want to ask for a trade high profile players almost always win that war. You want out, you know, they he'll get, they'll get they'll get him out. I don't know who's going to take that contract on right now yeah. given the season he's had but you know, he's going to outlast Daryl Sutter. There's no question about it. So if he wants to continue this power play that his agent started today, then, you know, maybe it does lead to the earlier demise of Daryl Sutter than otherwise would be the case. I I hear all the time from people, they talk about Daryl Sutter and they say he has, a, he has a a shelf life. <laughs> that, that, that's like saying the sky is blue. Every coach has a shelf life. Is Daryl shorter? Maybe. I, I. But, I don't know, he's had some pretty long tenures along the way. You know, I, I don't think it's shorter than a lot of people. You know, the question is, has he lost the room? No, I don't think he's lost the room at all. You know, Everything, everyone is losing their mind right now, fans included. I get it. There's a crazy frustration because of the expectations that yeah. they failed to fail to live up to. I get people are abandoning this team left, right, and center. I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. I understand it. I mean, this team is very, very beige. I, I joke today with someone, and I'm only half joking when I say that tweet last night is the most exciting thing, <laughs> the most interesting thing to happen to the Calgary Flames this season. I, I honest to God, like this team is so vanilla, so beige, so um you know, two steps forward, one and a half steps back, blah blah yep. blah, you know. I thought Tanab said it brilliantly. We suck, we're good, we suck, we're good, we suck. You know, like it's it's been tough to be a Flames fan this year, I would imagine, right? I mean, I me the drama I don't mind this at all. This is this is kind of fun to me to be honest. Uh No, di- I don't I don't think you're enjoying this in the slightest. Cuz it's different, right? I mean, I'd much rather write about this than the, the power player or the penalty killer or whatever. I don't write about that stuff, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, the, the, It's just, this is something that everybody has an opinion on. And that's that's what sports is all about. It's yeah. fun. Like, it, it, Really what this has done is it's illuminated an issue, right? We knew the issue was there. We know this coach and this player are not 100% seeing eye to eye. We can see it in players' play. We can, we can see it in the team's play. And and we just know that that's the way Daryl Sutter is. He's he's hard to play for, hard to to mesh with, but but this agent has shed a spotlight on it that is impossible not to. You can't ignore it, right? You can't ignore it at all. You know, I touched base with Alan Walsh today to see if he wanted to because we've been down this path before. There's a playbook here that he's he invented, Mark and, Andre you know, Flurry, Flurry, but uh, also here in Calgary, Michael Frolik, Frolik, right? I remember reaching out to Alan then, and I. I've gone out to lunch with Alan Walsh. I have a pretty good relationship with Alan Walsh, and I, I respect him. I, I kind of like what he does. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's best for the organization. I think he's. I can imagine the 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 text or the phone call that him and Tree Living had today. Like really, really, Alan, you got to do this. Is this to me? necessary? I, I've got a lot going on right now, and I really didn't need this. But all right, this is what you do. But I, I, I think you know, and I touched base with him to see if he wanted to follow it up with some comments. He never does. He's the king of the mic drop. you drop the bomb and you leave the room and uh, and I don't have a problem with that either. I think it I think it's effective as hell, and I think that uh, at the end of the day, this will have proven to be a good move by the agent and for Jonathan Huerde. I really believe that
0: you know it's it's uh interesting because well, let' see if I can quickly uh find this um, because you know Jacob Markstrom had some really really pointed comments. I gonna I'll, I'll just play the whole thing in its entirety right now. So this is about 90 seconds of Jacob Markstrom inside the locker room, you know, uh talking about the negativity, the frustration, all that type of stuff. Listen to listen to Jacob here and and we can react to this in just a second.
2: You know, everybody likes each other, everybody can hang out and, you know, we're having fun together and it's you know, I feel like it's it's all you just need to show it and put it out on the ice and it's you know, when it's not going good, uh, you know, pick each other up and uh, and not, not not feel too down either. You know, obviously it's frustrating, but, you know, the next day you can't let what happened the night before, you know, affect you. And, you know, I, I've been through it a bunch this year where, where I left, would have liked to handle it differently. But, you know, I can't go back and change anything. Yet. I just got to, you know, look forward and, and, and come to work and, you know, work as hard as I, I can and, and, you know, build my game to, you know, where it needs to be.
0: The perception that this group is sort of not having fun, not enjoying coming to the office is just
1: it's just not accurate.
2: Well who says who says it? Any of the players? No, So I mean, I think the players is the one you should ask. You shouldn't just put out stuff with uh, you know with not no one saying that. I mean, I think you should report, not guess, and it's easy for you guys to, you know, obviously you report what you see. But you know what you see is maybe not always what's going on, especially because you can't see in the locker room. You you see what's going on in the ice, and yeah, it's frustr. Uh, people are frustrated. I'm frustrated when we're not winning as many games as we would like. But you know, it's tough to tough for you guys to guess, and, and then you know that kind of snowball effect, and then everybody start reporting that you know we're not having fun. We're not a, a tight group. We are a tight group, and you know. It's fun to win. I want to win more, and that's way more fun than losing.
0: So that's Jacob Markstrom from uh, earlier on this Friday, Eric, and 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 as he was staring into our souls and uh, dressing us down, and and I, look, I, I, I say that totally tongue in cheek because I would take comments like that every day of the week I loved it and and yeah be critical of us I like I love that stuff that was awesome from Jacob Markstrom today but as I was as I was listening to that and seeing how intense he was and even being and you were you were on the other side of it so we were right there both watching it so whether it was Jacob even Jonathan Huberto definitely Mackenzie Weger when they were speaking on Friday morning I just kept on saying okay damn. If this, if this team uses this properly, maybe for the first time they actually have something that can bring them a little bit closer together. Or maybe not even that, but can actually galvanize them. Because how many times have we said, well, this win, maybe that can be a springboard. Or, or this game, maybe that can be a jumping off point. And every single time, you've got the big family feud X, right? But here, this is something that isn't related to on the ice necessarily. This is something else. I... I I think there's an opportunity anywhere anyway for them to actually use it as something positive and actually use it as something that they can
1: actually build off of. Well, there was tremendous passion there in that that ninety seconds that he just had there and and, and you heard it from from the other guys too. I, I agree with you. Uh, listen, I think it would be easy to sit here as a columnist or as a fan. It doesn't matter who you are and say. This this is a gong show, and this thing is about to go off the rails. This is this is a tire fire that just got started, and I, and I don't see it that way. I still think this team's going to make the playoffs, and you know me, I, I call it the way I see it. I you know I I'd be the first to say that I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, and I might be wrong. Uh, to me, it's going to come down between them and Minnesota. Minnesota, Minnesota is awful. Yeah, luckily for the Flames, they're really faltering of late. But I, you know that's a talented team over there. I, I just still think that the Calgary Flames are going to make the playoffs. And it, I base that on the fact that on paper, I, I can't fathom that a team with this sort of a semblance of talent and, and I, I'd say depth uh, in, in, in crucial areas it would miss the playoffs. And, and I know it's happened many times before. Don't get me wrong. But I, I still think that this team can turn this thing around, whether they use this to do it, whether they use their shared, um, let's call it passion for the coach. Uh, their their passionate feelings towards the coach, maybe they use that in a way uh, that 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 helps them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. I still think they've got the talent, and and I'm just gonna say this. You know, right now everyone's losing their mind because they got pretty embarrassed last night to get by the Detroit yeah. Red Wings at home. I was shocked that nobody booed them off the ice. I was waiting for that. Um, The two previous games, and yeah, they lost one of them in horrific fashion, like devastating fashion. That's hard to come back off of in Ottawa. But just prior to that collapse, they played 57 minutes. And the game before, they may have played their two best games of the year. So we're all sitting here right now and talking about how the slide they're on. But I'm telling you that they just played two of their best games the entire season. They just didn't have the results to show for it. Now, some will say, well, it's a results-oriented business. You either get the win or you don't. Well, they got the single point in Ottawa. It didn't feel very good, but I, I still think there's lots of reasons to believe that this team can make the playoffs. Listen, Huberdeau has been a shell of himself. Markstrom a shell of himself. Uh, Vladar had a rare bad game last night, but look at Dylan Dubé. He's been on fire of late. No, you know that's that's an under, you know that's a story that 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 probably should have more people talking about. Tyler Toffoli. He's on pace for a career season. Like he's been really good. Uh, I, I know that the the bright spots are are there are far fewer bright spots than than dim spots. But I'm just saying, I think that they've got nowhere to go but up, basically as a team. And I think they're going to do that. I, I I don't know. Maybe it's just a gut feeling. Uh, I've been wrong before.
0: And, and and I do think that as we move towards the trade deadline, it's funny. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that are floating out there, and a lot of different opinions as to what this team should do at the deadline. I I do think that there's something to be said about. Remember how and and I know because you were at every game and and you <laughs> suffered through it the way I did. Um, and I say that tongue in cheek, but. Remember the 56-game season, the no fan season, and remember how, A, bad it was, and B, what the temperature was like around that team and how coming out of that season we were talking about this team will never, this group will never be able to do it. This team is broken, and all of a sudden they come back the next year and they're with basically the same group minus the captain. Yeah, they, they are a significantly different team with yeah. now a full training camp with the new coach and all. And so I think that year we, at least, and I can't speak for you, but for me, I bit too hard on that 56 game unique season that was unlike any that has ever, ever been played in the NHL. I bit too hard on it and and was like, oh, these guys are garbage. And, and, they, and, and I, I guess I put too much stock into it. And with... And so what I guess that taught me is knowing how unprecedented the summer was and knowing that no team in the cap era has ever gone through turnover like the Flames went through at at such a significant level like they did this summer. Maybe putting too much stock into what this team is long-term can be just based on the 57 we've seen so far, can be a little dangerous. In that, nope, Jonathan Huberdeau is a wrecked player, he'll never be good again. And Nazim Kadri was an awful signing, and they got to get rid of Mackenzie Weaver and Elias no, Lindholm. No. And Jacob Markstrom's broken. I just wonder if this is a bad year, a year that maybe we didn't give enough credit for or, or put enough stock into being a, a really difficult
1: transitional year yeah. for the group. I, I wonder if that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and I, I think that the passion that you know, has been elicited by this tweet and, and their their recent slide. Like, it was kind of a us-against-the-world mentality in that room today. Those guys were uncomfortable talking about all this. You know, and then I, you know, Markstrom took a snipe at me as he was leaving the scrum uh, based on, like, an innocuous tweet I put out today. And then Dan Vladar responded to my tweet. And, like, tensions are high, and I think that they could use that you know, to their advantage. You know, there are a couple really bad takes out there right now. One of them is, you know, they got to trade Jacob Markstrom. He's not an NHL goalie. He's not a starter. That that's that's pure bunk, right? I mean, that's just people are reacting with emotion. Yeah, he's been really bad this year. He's the first to tell you that. He'll be fine. I don't know if it'll be this year, but he'll be fine next year or at some point in time. Things go in peaks and valleys. Jonathan Hubert at some point will find his way and be a star again in this league. He's not going to be a 115-point star uh, here in Calgary under Daryl Sutter, but he's he's I do believe he'll get back to a point a game. Yeah, I, I think the adjustment period is, you know, everyone wants things fixed a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm almost making excuses right now. And I'm not. I just I think that's just the reality. These guys, eventually everything will come back to the mean, right? Everyone, these guys will return to being somewhat closer to what they were last year. And I. It, the question is, is that going to happen in time to save their their playoff hopes right. this year? Exactly. That's the big question, right? Because uh, to me, the two biggest reasons why they're not in the playoffs right now are Jonathan Huberdeau and Jacob, Jacob Markstrom. Markstrom. Both you being know, and, and
0: way I, off what we're used to them being. That's
1: right. And that, that sounds like a total swipe at them, but I'm just saying it's because we know they're so much better. And, uh, you know, the other really bad take, you know, I've seen some bad takes, obviously, on Twitter over the... The, the the take I'm that sorry, they should that's
0: my fault. I've I've a lot of bad takes.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll get into yours next <laughs> week. But the, the 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 idea that Dustin Wolf should be called up—that yeah, preaching
0: that, to the choir on that
1: one—that might be the stupidest take I've seen in a long time in a in a world of stupidity on Twitter. Um, you want to bring a 21 year old up here who's got a great future, and you want to immerse him in this mess right now, and uh, feed him to the wolves and and demote. No like pun intended. Just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, like come on. It's an emotional time for the players, for the fans. But you know, be a little more rational before you tweet something stupid like that. Can
0: you just before we let you go? Can you uh, share? Because I, I I didn't know that uh, Dan had responded to your tweet. I just went and looked right now. Uh, so okay, the the tweet the tweet is. Uh, Eric tweeted at practice today, Vladar just broke his stick across the post and left the ice briefly out of frustration. These Flames goalies are leading the league in one stat, broken lumber, frustration extremely evident in Calgary these days in last night's game, followed by Walsh's tweet escalated things. And so Dan Vladar uh, responded, says... Forgot to mention I came back in five seconds because I forgot to bring the second one. My bad goalies break their sticks because we care by the way, guys love it. And don't worry. I'll put money on a board for it. Winky face. So Dan Vladar <laughs> responded to you on Twitter
1: and, and yeah. uh, Jacob Markstrom, after he finished speaking to us, what what did Jacob say to you? I mean, this is 15 minutes after I tweeted that it's like, these, you know, like I talk about how sensitive everybody is right now. Like, 15 minutes after I tweeted that, he finishes his scrum and he looks at me and he says, do you need any lumber? Like basically just trying to let me know, hey, I saw your tweet. And he says, what are you, what are you?" I think he said, what are you, a comedian now? And then he just walked off kind of all angry. And I'm like, <laughs> thinking, holy cow, you just got off practice. And within minutes you're on your phone and you're worried about something a guy tweeted like, oh boy, oh boy. Like I, it's just... And I have no problem, players, you know, it's happened many times, obviously. I have no problem with a player sharing his frustration or taking it out on me or anyone. These guys are frustrated. I get it. I totally get it. And I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. It just speaks to the heightened sensitivity of the moment right now and how this is not just a simple tweet that they have to defend for one day. These guys are really... It's it's a tense building right now and it and it can be tense because of the of the situation with the coach, it can be tense because they're in, in a playoff perilous situation. There's a lot of reasons why it's tense down at the dome these days, and it's just it's manifesting itself in ways that I haven't seen in a long time. The fact that Dan Vladard took the time to tweet, and it wasn't he didn't tweet back in a nasty way. I think I have a great relationship with that guy. I think the world of him. Um I think he just wanted to kind of clarify and I have no problem with what he said. In his response to the tweet, he's a passionate guy. I have no problem with guys breaking sticks. I'm just reporting it and letting people know tensions are high. Don't shoot the messenger.
0: I do get the sense that tensions are high right now. Um, And uh, when you told me what Jacob said, I was like, "Ah, that's actually pretty good. (laughs) It (laughs) It was pretty funny. And I loved, like, Jacob dressing us down in the scrum today. Like, give me that all day. Like, that is good stuff. We, we, I, I, I'm never going to criticize a player for actually speaking their mind, and mm-hmm. as opposed to you know giving us stock answers and cliches and all that type of stuff. So I yeah. loved it. For, and and look, one thing we know about Jacob, that dude is fiery, competitive. He cares. It like that, and and maybe sometimes to his detriment, but that guy cares. And that yeah. guy, so I I appreciated all of it today. I thought it was. It was a really interesting one of the most interesting days I can remember at the Scotiabank Saddledome in a long time.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I I I think so too and it, it and and here's the fascinating point. Where do you go from here? I know. And 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 yep. people have wondered even when there isn't craziness to going down at the Dome. People have always wondered after every win or or loss, where do we go from here? No one ever knows with the Flames, but everyone to in to Toronto. What one of the best lines was uh who was it? Was it Uh, It was Huberto when when someone said, well, you guys win one, you lose one, you win one, you lose one. And Huberto looks at him and goes, oh, so you mean we're going to win tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. That was good. Levity was so important today, and Huberto brought some of it, so good on him. Yeah, and by the way, I also liked Vladar's response to your tweet. I had to turn my mic off and laugh when I went and saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Really, Vladar did well. That was well done by him. I had no idea that he was even on Twitter, that he was like... I, I never know if any of these guys follow any of us I I have no idea it's it's fascinating
0: uh get out of here thanks buddy we'll see you uh we'll see you Saturday all right if you need any lumber you know who to call I know I'll come to you uh it's Eric Francis Francis Friday's funny enough on a Friday that's your look inside hockey for Calgary co-op calgary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of calgarians and you'll only find them at Calgary
2: co-op
3: Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.
0: Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. Hello, Pike. Hi, Pat. Ryan Pike with us as we continue this hour. Um... Well, that was another ugly home loss. Uh, first uh, first half of this hour, Francis Fridays and all of the uh, drama at the Dome. Dome drama on a Friday. It's
3: been a while since we had a lot of Dome drama.
0: I agree. Uh, this is the most dramatic day I think we've had this season. And it comes after what was just a really ugly home loss. Three weeks apart. So there was lots of time in between. But the last home game they played prior to Thursday was a 5-1 loss to Chicago. And that was UGLY. Three weeks later, they start off a three-game homestand against Detroit, and while I didn't uh, dislike maybe the way they started the game. You take a look at the sixty minutes they played; another pretty listless effort, and they get it handed to them five-two by a desperate Red Wings team. Good on Detroit; they played yeah. really well. Uh, but that it was, was a, a tough it was one. a
3: really good road game for Derek Lalonde's group. They on the
0: second half of a back-to-back th- where and they, third and
3: four yeah, with and a lot they of travel. Played
0: overtime the game before.
3: Yeah, and they played a was a seven thirty start uh, on Wednesday in Edmonton, so it wasn't even it was less than twenty four hours games starting apart. And they, they played a solid road yep. game. They they never let the game get away from them.
0: Agreed. That's a good way of putting it. And and even though they trailed 1-0 and the Flames came back to tie it 2-2, two, two, I give Detroit a lot of credit. Let me ask you this, though. Um, This team has really struggled with consistency this season. That has been one of their number one issues. We've talked... I think ad nauseum about how they have not strung together more than three wins consecutively, you know, putting together that really nice streak that will really move them up the standings. It hasn't happened. They were kind of like this. I recall this
3: last year before everyone got sick, like in the 21, 22 season before the entire team got COVID ironically, right before they were supposed to go to Chicago, uh, they, they were off for a couple of weeks. They came back and, Up until that point, they had been sort of a a win one, lose one. They were sort of a middling team. And then maybe because, you know, everyone went through the same adversity, like it was, you know, I can't imagine it was a fun time to be on that hockey club based on the schedule they were given and the circumstances that put them there. But they completely turned a corner. And they became incredibly consistent, partially because they had to, but they they had that was their defining stretch. That February last year, where they just sort of rattled off a bunch of wins and they became the team that I think they believed they could become. And the frustration that we saw in the first half of last season or the first 30-some games of last season disappeared within a couple weeks because they figured it out. And I think this season, I think them, the fans, the media, everyone surrounding the hockey club has gone, okay, We've seen this this play before. We've seen this film before. Mm-hmm. We've seen things snap into place all of a sudden and things start clicking. And I think, man, time's running low for that to happen. But the pieces swirling around still seem like they have so much potential. And enough key pieces have underperformed or just not clicked the way they should. And, you know, I, I don't think they've had all the pieces clicking at all this year at any one point. And... I know Julian McKenzie mentioned it uh, during uh, the media availabilities on Friday, uh, just sort of the the win-one-lose-one yes. thing they've been in. Here, I, I, I did a piece uh, on Flamestation.ca Thursday evening, I guess Friday morning. Uh, if, you, if you knock out the two winning—the Flames have had two three-game winning streaks this season. That's it. They've had two losing streaks of longer than two games. They yeah. had a five and a seven. You knock out those two winning streaks, you knock out those two losing streaks, they have 19 wins and 18 losses. They are precisely a win-one-lose-one <laughs> team— yeah. If you take away their their the two long streaks, the stri- that's, ish- the streak that's the team. And despite all this, despite not really figuring their stuff out, fifty some games in, they're still. I think they're tied for in points for a playoff spot. They're yeah, behind they're, they're Minnesota. Ninth,
0: they're ninth on points percentage and tied for eighth in points.
3: Yeah. So if you know if, if we we always make the joke, you know to. You know, if you're if you're being chased by a bear in the woods, you don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be not the slowest. And the Flames, all they have to do to get the playoffs, they don't have to be the best team in hockey. They just have to be better than Minnesota.
0: Which shouldn't be too hard to do because Minnesota is doing their very best to miss the playoffs themselves. So, okay. But why has consistency been such a problem? And I'll give you my theory. When you have your... Or a good number of your most important players mm-hmm. not living up to expectations. So, Huberto, I think there's been plenty talked about that, especially today. Uh, Jacob Markstrom, Elias Lindholm, Nazim Kadri. There's four guys that make up four of the most important players, highest paid players on the team. There's four guys that I think we looked to and said, They're going to be really important in driving this bus and being right at the front of that bus as as they try to roll forward. And those guys have all not been quite where they were expected or what they've been historically capable of. So when you don't have your best players playing their best or close to it, you become a very average team and average teams are inconsistent. And that, that to me, is what we've seen. Yeah, when you're a very middle-of-the-road team, sometimes you look great and show what we all believe is full potential, and sometimes you look the complete opposite, which other people think is your full potential. And and you mentioned Minnesota. Go take a look at Minnesota and who they've lost <laughs> to this year. Go yeah. take a look at how... Go Look at who Winnipeg lost to on Thursday night. Look, like, the, unless you are... Boston Tampa Bay Toronto New Jersey Carolina on the east for the very strange this is an East heavy year is it ever but unless you're the really good teams you don't have the infuriating inconsistency the middle of the road teams are some of the most infuriating teams to be fans of because they show you flashes of both and they give you a lot of up and down and the reason the flames are that is because their best players have not consistently been their best players this year.
3: I would say their most consistent game in recent memory was that 7 2 win in Buffalo, where they granted, they had a not very good first period, and then they just flipped the switch and they found a way to, you know, we we've we've joked that sometimes the team doesn't, you know, doesn't seem comfortable kicking somebody when they're down. They kicked Buffalo repeatedly when they were down and seemed to take glee in doing so. And that could have been a turning point, but they just they just haven't had the the consistency to make it a turning point. And I I would say, you know, Daryl Sutter's mentioned this before. The, the, the thing that resonated with me about what Daryl said post-game on Thursday night was, you know, they were waiting for a big kill, a big power play, a big goal, a big save. They were waiting for someone to be a difference maker for the team when the game was close and they didn't quite get it. And unfortunately, the difference-making performances they got were, you know, penalties taken by the wrong guys at the wrong time, yeah. uh, a yeah. bad D-zone penalty, Early in a period, by Michael Stone, who kills penalties, and you don't want to take one your, of your penalty killers off the ice. Uh, a bad ozone penalty by Elias Lindholm at the end of the period. Another key penalty killer who you take off the ice. Both those go, both those resulted in power play goals within 15 seconds. They lost a face off in both the situations, and it end up in the back of the net very quickly. That's the that's the whole game. But is they're they're in a situation right now where they don't have enough positive difference makers, and unfortunately the. The, you know, obviously it's it's recency bias and selection bias, but the moments that stand out to us and probably them are the one or two mistakes they make that end up deciding the, the games. The
0: well, and here's the thing. This is the glass half full side of it. And I try to I try to bring that because it's very half empty right now. I don't even know if the glass. Is the glass, is there any water in the glass right now for some people? The, the, gla- the, gl- the glass
3: is smashed on the floor for yeah. I think for 30% of the fans. Exactly.
0: There, there's been a and and like deliberately so, like at a wedding. Like they've smashed this thing deliberately because <laughs> fans are so upset. And and rightfully so. I'm not saying that you uh should or should not be like if you're frustrated, damn right, you should be. But the the glass half full side of things is if all of a sudden Jacob Markstrom Finds it, or if all of a sudden it clicks for Jonathan Huberto, or whatever the case may be, then I do think this team can be better in the final 27 games. You know, it could be as simple as one or two of those guys really elevating their game. And then all of a sudden, I think some of these inconsistencies aren't as on the nose and aren't as right in our face. The problem is we're 55 in, we're more than 65% of the way through the season. The skepticism that all of a sudden that's going to happen. I can understand if it's high because my skepticism that all of a sudden Huberto is just going to figure it out this season. I am I probably am not betting on that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't know if it's likely. And the same is true with Markstrom. I think Markstrom, I think both Huberto and Markstrom will figure it out in Calgary. It just may not be this season. It might yeah. take an offseason. It might take until next year. It might take going through the 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 slog that has been twenty two, twenty-three for them to yeah. get to that better. Well, place. like
3: right now, like Jacob Markstrom percentage wise is below average. Like below average in the league. I don't think anybody looks at his body work and goes, that's a bad goalie. He is a goalie who last year was second in Vesna voting. He was on my all-star ballot. He was, I think, a second team all-star. He was very good last year. Unfortunately, he's not playing very good now. So I think, you know, De- Derek Wills has said this a few times. I just think he's he's a an above average goaltender who's underperforming to a, a fairly large extent. But that also means that, I don't think I don't think it'd be out of out of uh, the realm of possibility for him to have a bounce back over the last, you know, tw- 20, 20 some games of the season. And, you know, even if he's average, if he's an average NHL goaltender from here on out, they're probably good enough to get in. We talked about this on Thursday. He And I think if the Flames are an, uh, an average team at burying their offensive chances, generally speaking, they've been. Bottom quarter to bottom third of the league. If they become average at burying chances, they've been above average at generating chances. If they can become average at burying chances, they can have become average at stopping chances. This is a team that you know, the the shape of their game has generally been quite good. And I think that's sort of been the perplexing thing, especially for those, you know, the folks of us who dabble in analytics, because they should be better than this. If they were if they were getting outshot, outchanced, out whatever. And they were losing a lot of these close games. You go, well, yeah, because, you know, like the the 14, I don't think anyone really, you know, batted an eye in in 15 16 after the 14 15 season because the Find a Way Flames were a team that rode heavy percentages and the next year, percentages slapped them back. Last year's Flames team was an exceptionally good hockey club who found ways to just. You know, win games, but then they hit hit the Oilers in the playoffs, unfortunately. And a few guys had bad had bad performances at the wrong time. But the shape of their game was very good. The shape of the game of this this edition of the Flames is very similar to last year's team. Does it have the same finishing potential? You take the guys out of the lineup that they took? Probably not. Probably not as much. But when we expected them to be a good defensive team, a pretty decent offensive team, a team that got good goaltending, a team with a good penalty kill, a team with an average-ish power play... I don't think those are unrealistic expectations, and based on the potential this group has, I still don't think those are unrealistic expectations for the last quarter of the season.
0: Um, what are we making these new deep pairings? So practice they're, on they're Friday. They're weird, aren't they? Noah Hannafin with Chris Tanev, so left-right. On the left side, <laughs> Mackenzie Wieger. On the right side, Rasmus Anderson. Righty-righty. Then you've got Nikita Zadorov on the left. And Dennis Gilbert on the right, which would be lefty lefty, and then you've got the fourth pairing, Mackey and Stone, which is back to lefty righty.
3: So they have one traditional pair and two same shot pairs. That's odd. Yeah, I don't hate it. I kind of like the pairing. I like. I I think Gilbert's shown enough in his dozen games to come in, and I, I think you know not to pile on poor Michael Stone. Michael Stone did not have a good night against Detroit, and. He probably needs to take a seat just to clear his mind and sort of reset everything. But Gilbert's been good when he's been in. I think him and Z- uh, Gilbert and Zadorov have played together in the past. They've been decent. And you know, I think Anderson Weger is is very very interesting to me. That could be a very interesting look.
0: That's the one that intrigues me the most because when they acquired Uyghur, I think that they looked at him. As potentially a, a like a true top pair guy, and you know the Shillington stuff threw things into uh, into the blender a little bit, and so the pairings have never really been settled. And Daryl talked a little bit about that on Friday, how you know the pairings have never really been settled or set or or where exactly they want them to be. Shillington, then Tanev's been hurt, and Anderson's now been hurt. And, he and then, missed and then Stone was hurt for a little That's bit. That's right. And Stone missed we, 10 or 11 we, games. we had that
3: the Eastern Road Trip where I think uh, we had an entire defensive pairing for the Flames being uh, airlifted from the Wranglers.
0: That's right. DeSimone and Gilbert were up. But having Anderson and Uyghur together is interesting. I don't know how it's going to work, but Anderson is their is there best closest to true number one he's their number We're, one guy
3: don't don't forget that one of the best goals scored in the saddle this year was a breakaway goal scored by Rasmus Anderson coming out of the penalty box set up by Mackenzie Wieger at the end of a power play or at the end of a, an opposition power play one of the weirdest sequences I've ever seen in my life and the goalie had no idea how to react but they I think they have they have some potential I, I think you know Anderson is he's been so good he's been so good this year I think Anderson and Dylan Dubé have been two of the the better success stories of the, of this club, and you know hopefully you know, we have the the means to talk about them a bit more down the stretch because I, I I don't want them to be forgotten about. But Anderson in particular, Anderson sort of he's been so good and he's taken those steps, and maybe he you know Mackenzie Weegar's done so good on the defensive side of the game from an underlying standpoint. He's one of the better. Defensive defenseman in the NHL, evolving evolving hockey has him as for for uh, goals above replacement. He's one of the best defensive players uh, in in uh, the NHL in terms of shutdown defense. His offensive uh, numbers, nothing to write home about, fairly fairly mediocre. And so maybe if you put him with the the team's best uh, offensive defender, maybe things can open up a bit for him. I, I, that's that's the part that really that really engages for me because. You know, Chris Tanev is a really good shutdown guy. He's his offensive game is underrated, but I don't think that's his calling card. Anderson, that's his bread and butter. He's a puck mover. He's a, a guy who who breathes offense. He's so high tempo. And if he can rub a, a bit of that part of his game off on, on Uyghur, that is a lot of potential.
0: I'd be really curious to see how that works out. Oh, and Dylan Dubay scored again against the Red Wings. That was a nice goal, eh? Pretty good. He's just a good little run for him. At some point I gotta I got to engage you on my whole theory of signing him to an extension. It's been on the rundown the last few days we've talked
3: and we never get around to it, but I'm, I think that's something they got to do soon because he seems like a guy that like July 1st and starting on July 1st. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that they, they, they drafted, they developed, they brought him. He's, he's, he's followed very much him and him and, and uh, Andrew Maggi have followed a lot of the same Pathways in terms of breaking into the team. I think Majupani's clicked a little bit quicker because I think Majupani, because he can't play center, he they've never tried him out at center, and so his role's always been very straightforward, and so he's progressed. And I think I was worried that Dubé was following, for lack of a better term, the Sam Bennett model of they're not sure what he is, so he's does a bunch of things and doesn't grade anything. But I think he's really settled in as, you know, especially on that line. He's, he's one of the drivers on that line and he's been a tremendous success story this year. And I think when you have one of those guys, you you should do what you can to lock him down long-term
0: next up Rangers on Saturday. Thank you, Pike.
3: I'll see you at the Dome on
0: Saturday night. You sure will. He's Ryan Pike. He's on Twitter at Ryan and Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap up this hour for Cam Hughes and Taylor Dingman, our producers. And for Eric Francis, my name is Pat Steinberg. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. Uh, Flames and Rangers on Saturday, including your Flames Talk post game wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Unlock your home with the touch of your phone. Upgrade to smart locks online at Cal- CalgaryLockandSafe.com.